The U.S. Senate has voted unanimously to make Juneteenth a holiday that until a few years ago, very few people had ever heard of into a national holiday. And when the Senate votes unanimously for something, you can be almost certain that it is a bad idea. The Juneteenth holiday may not put an end to racism, but it sure will get you accused of racism if you don't celebrate this recently popularized feast. But I don't really care what the libs call me, so we will get into it. Then, Chuck Schumer calls kids retarded, Joe Biden calls moms birthing people, and even firebrand congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene apologizes for something that she said. Get in control of the new language before it leaves you. Speechless. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Auto Pump Prod, okay, who writes, quote, if slavery was America's original sin and we abolished slavery more than 150 years ago, I guess that means our nation is now sinless and as such perfect. What does the left have to complain about? You know, this is an interesting point because it shows the problem of the slavery as original sin issue, which is in real original sin, we were talking about the sin of Adam that causes sin and death to pervade the world. Uh, mankind has fallen, we're imperfect, and we're, we're up the creek without a paddle. Then at the incarnation and the crucifixion, and then the resurrection, Christ defeats death on the cross and redeems mankind. However, the temporal effects of sin are still in the world. So Christ has this perfect sacrifice of himself on the cross, redeems mankind, opens up eternal life to us, but we're still in a fallen world because the temporal effects of sin remain. So the issue with the slavery is America's original sin issue here is one, it's, it's just not true because original sin is America's original sin. But also you've got the original sin, then you've got this sort of salvation by works idea that, you know, there's the the civil war is going to free the slaves and then we're going to save ourselves. But we obviously don't because what the left would argue is the temporal effects of that sin through racism still exist. And the problem for that ideology is there ain't no redeemer. So we're always cut in that mire of sin. What a heavy way to start today. You know, I, I guess I, I have all this energy because of how great I sleep on my Helix. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? doesn't make sense. You're a very special person, okay? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. They have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot, even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. It's very, very simple. You take their two minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life and it'll ship to your door for free. I love, I love my Helix mattress. They got a 10 year warranty. You get to try it out for a hundred nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but it, it's a meaningless promise because you're totally going to love it. There's going to be no need. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders right now and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Knowles. Helixsleep.com slash Knowles for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Speaking of absolutely sacred things, we, we can now uh, add another festival to the secular liturgical calendar. Juneteenth, a national holiday. <sighs> you know, I asked this question. I knew what it would elicit, but I asked the question on Twitter. I said, what was accomplished by making Juneteenth a national holiday? And all these blue check libs who are journalists or politicians or whoever write into me. They say, you're a racist. You, how dare you ask that question? Your, could, your clan hood is showing. You, you, how dare you? How dare you suggest that Juneteenth, the most holy day of the year, should not be a national holiday. And I, I, I looked at just one of these guys. I just picked one of them at random. And I said, you know, I bet that this person never had anything to say about Juneteenth until at the very most a few years ago. So I took his, I don't even remember his name, but I took his name. It was some journo blue check, typed it into Google, typed in the word Juneteenth. And I set the custom search range from 1970 
until 2018. Do you know how many results came up? Zero. Nobody knew about this thing outside a few people in the regional areas where Juneteenth was even recognized. Nobody had heard about this thing until a few years ago. Now we are all supposed to pretend that we've all known about it forever, especially the libs pretend that they've known about this for years and years, and that this is a very important holy day in America. I think it was a bad idea to make Juneteenth a national holiday. I know this is an unpopular opinion and more people are going to call me a terrible racist, bigot, whatever person. I don't think the point was to uh, have everybody celebrate the, the wonders of Abraham Lincoln and the Union troops and America and the promise of this wonderful country. And I don't think the point was to express gratitude for our country or to celebrate much of anything. I think the point was to just pick a scab more and more and more to say that America is essentially a racist, awful place. When I asked what is accomplished by the Juneteenth holiday, a lot of people ask, well, Michael, what's accomplished by any holiday? What was accomplished by the creation of Columbus Day? And there's a very specific answer. One, the broad answer is Columbus Day was in part designed to recognize one of history's greatest men, Christopher Columbus, who discovered the new world. But the very specific political reason why Columbus Day was created is to make Italian Americans feel more welcome in this country one year after they were the victims of the largest mass lynching in American history. There was a mass lynching, the largest one ever, in 1891 uh, in Louisiana. It was 11 Italian guys. Uh, History doesn't teach this very much, but it's true. 1892, on the 400th anniversary of Columbus's voyage, you get the first uh, Columbus Day at a national level. This was a one-time holiday. Comes back a little later on. Okay, fair enough. What is accomplished by Juneteenth? Well, what they're going to tell you is it's to celebrate the end of slavery. What, you racist? You don't want to celebrate the end of slavery? Juneteenth does not mark the end of slavery. It doesn't. There are a few dates that you could say mark the end of slavery. You could say, how about the Emancipation Proclamation? Why don't we have Emancipation Proclamation Day? Why don't we have 13th Amendment Day? That actually ended slavery. Why Juneteenth, the day that word came from certain troops to Texas that slavery was going to be abolished? I think there's a specific answer. If it's Emancipation Proclamation Day, then you got to give credit to Abraham Lincoln. But that is very contrary to the new leftist ideology, which says that we should not give white men any credit for doing anything right. <laughs> Actually, there was just an article the other day by a cultural critic against Tom Hanks. We read it on this show where he said the problem with Tom Hanks is he's played in his historical movies, white men who do the right thing. And we shouldn't acknowledge that. When the Lincoln movie with Daniel Day-Lewis came out some years ago, one of the big criticisms from the left is that it gave too much credit to Lincoln for freeing the slaves. The slaves freed themselves, darn it. I mean, that isn't true. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. But you're not allowed to give credit to the white savior who, who did this. You're not allowed to give credit to the overwhelmingly white Union soldiers in the Civil War. Not allowed to give credit to the white legislators who, who ratified the 13th Amendment. So I think that is part of the reason we'd have to have something nice to say about some of the statesmen in, in our country. Who cares? The left always says, oh, who cares? Come on, come on, what? You're going to complain about a holiday? I had one of these other blue checks yell this at me. Uh, What? You're going to complain? Oh, gosh, okay. Yeah, that's a winning strategy. You're going to complain about a holiday that recognizes slavery? Who cares, man? The left cares. Have have you ever noticed that whenever conservatives call out the libs on their cultural ploys, the libs always say, oh, who cares? It's not a big deal. Come on. Who cares if we let Husky Hank go into the women's bathroom because he's got a wig on? Oh, it's not a big deal. Who cares if little girls have to change in front of boys at the public swimming pool? It's not, it's just not a big deal. Oh, who cares that we're killing a million babies a year through abortion? Do you really think it's really, this is the hill to die on? Really? That who cares about critical race theory? You're going to get all wound up about some educational theory in schools. Come on. Who, who cares about a new holiday? Who cares about pride month? Who cares about this? Who cares about that? The left cares <laughs> that they are the aggressors in the culture war by definition. You've got the culture. And then when radical changes are made to the culture, it ain't being made by conservatives. It's being made by the radicals. Why do they care so much? Why do they invest so much time and money 
in the pronouns and the holidays and the educational theories? And why do they invest all their resources in it? Because they know that the cultural issues matter tremendously, far more than any stupid tax cut that Republicans seem solely capable of focusing on at any given time. The, the point of the Juneteenth holiday, I suspect, is to cast more light, they will say, on America's awful, terrible, racist past to emphasize to an absurd degree the existence of slavery in America, something not unique to America, not even particularly uh, egregious relative to other nations, even in the Americas in America. Right? Think about the number of African slaves imported to places like Brazil. Totally dwarfs the number of African slaves in America. Think about the period of time in which the United States and the West more broadly tolerated slavery. It's a very small period of time relative to the history of slavery in other places like Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, and the Far East, where it still exists today. But no, this is America's sin. We're going to have, I'm shocked we don't have five more holidays pointing out the awful original sin of slavery, from which there is no redemption. And Republicans go along with it. Republicans go along with it to prove that we're not racist to people who don't care that you're not racist, to prove that uh, actually, yes, it is America's original sin. You hear, you hear Republicans say this. So it's a losing, losing strategy, folks. You're not going to beat the left at their own game. Now, some, some politicians are pushing back on this this kind of crazy narrative. You're seeing it at the state level right now, which is where they have a lot more freedom to do it. Uh, You're seeing it in various states that are banning critical race theory, most notably in Florida with Ron DeSantis. Uh, Ron DeSantis is uh, booting critical race theory from the classroom. His opponent, the agricultural commissioner, the Democrat Nikki Freed, who's running against him for governor, has come out and said that this governor is trying to create not just another culture war, but another race war. This is another opportunity for for the governor to create a race war and a cultural war inside of our state. I want everybody to rest assured. First of all, critical race theory is the new boogeyman of the Republican Party. It's not something that's taught in the state of Florida. Um, But we need to let our teachers do their jobs, and that's teach. And this is, again, this governor and this Board of Education, who, again, is appointed uh, solely by Republican governors, both by Ron DeSantis and the previous governor as well. And it is not their job to tell our teachers, you know, how to, you know, sure, there's parameters of, of where policies but this is a time when they have overstepped once again, government and stepping in um, the job of educating and, and not the teachers. Excuse me, government is stepping into the job. They're overstepping by having something to say over the government schools. Are you, what are you talking about? You have schools run by and funded by the government, but you're saying the government doesn't have any right to make the curricula. By definition, the government has to make the curricula and hopefully the, the parents and hopefully the local governments, the boards of education. But what are we saying now? The teachers have the right to teach anything they want. You don't believe that. If a teacher went in there and taught that Donald Trump's the greatest president in U.S. history, you'd be calling for that person's head on a pike. Critical race theory is not being taught in Florida. Yes, it is. It's not. They're calling it a boogeyman. Here you go. You can read all about critical race theory. It's a now probably a 25 or 30 year old academic movement. It's, a, it's derived from critical theory, which is a broader academic movement, which you can read more about actually coincident, coincidental or providential timing in my upcoming book, Speechless. Controlling words, controlling minds. I couldn't leave the bell. My guys have been a little slow on the bell. I had, I had to get my own bell just in case go get the book. This is such a disingenuous argument from Nikki Freed and DeSantis not backing down. Very important to go out, do things for yourself, you understand. If you want to do things for yourself, you want to get some good parts at a good price for your car, you got to check out Rock Auto. It's Wednesday morning and you, you got it. You're going to check the, the auto parts website to see if now is going to be the gimmicky 20% off, or maybe, no, is that going to be Thursday night? I forget. Well, don't, don't worry about that ridiculous stuff. Rockauto.com always has reliably low prices. You don't need the gimmicks. You don't need to go, well, is it, is now the time? And I got to pretend that I'm a professional because the professionals get a special price, but the do it yourself, no, it's the same prices for pros. It's the same prices for do it yourselfers. Well, you probably need a special, no, it's just very simple catalog. All the parts for your car or truck that you're ever going to need. Reliably low prices all the time. Same prices for the pros and for do-it-yourselfers. 
just, you don't need to think about it. And you certainly don't need to go into that brick and mortar where they're going to ask you a thousand questions and they're not going to have the part that you need and they're going to go online and they're going to go to rockauto.com and they're going to charge you twice as much. Don't do it. Make it simple. Rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. The Democratic challenger to Ron DeSantis for governor in, in 2022, this woman, Nikki Freed, has been making demonstrably false claims but it's going to show you the strategy of the left on specifically this issue of critical race theory. Critical race theory is, is a fairly well-defined academic movement. You got big people who have contributed to it. Kimberly Crenshaw is the most, most famous one, uh, but uh, plenty of pseudo-academics here. There's a foreword by Cornell West, who is a well-known <laughs> academic huckster <laughs> in, the, in the academy. Uh, sometimes he says interesting things, but a lot of what he says is, is pretty kooky. This exists. It does not only exist in as much as you go into your classroom and the teacher says, okay, students, put away your math textbooks. Today, we're going to study critical race theory. Critical race theory, like all of these critical analyses, are academic lenses that pervade all sorts of different departments, right? We've seen some examples of what is taught by critical race theory. The idea that white people are all racist. The idea that objective truth does, does not really exist. The idea that your faculties of reason are unreliable. The idea that uh, many things that come out of the crazy academic movements of the 20th century. The idea that uh, we, we are subconsciously so vicious and racist. That, that the whole country is, is defined by systems of oppression that work in an intersectional way. Uh, a friend of mine the other night asked, Michael, what is intersectionality? And it's, a lot of people, that's one of these stupid terms that basically means, hmm, here's an example. I'll, I'll describe it by way of example. If you're a black guy, you're oppressed. If you're a woman, you're oppressed. But if you're a black woman, oh, you're super duper oppressed, more so than those other two categories. But if you're a black woman who is a lesbian, you are going to be more oppressed than either the black woman or the lesbian. So now you've got another layer down. But if you are a black woman who is a lesbian who is disabled, who is missing an arm or something, you are going to be more oppressed than just the black woman or the disabled person. And do you see the, the problem here with this hierarchy of victimhood and grievance? There's no end to it. <laughs> Even if you can reach some kind of physical end, do you know what's going to happen? They're just going to invent new categories of victimhood. This is a lot of what you're seeing going on with the, with the gender craziness. Every three days, they seem to invent a new gender. So we went from two genders to three genders to five genders to 56 genders to now it's something like 70 genders. Why? Because they're always, there's a, a, an incentive for greater grievance. There is a social currency to victimhood. And there is uh, no end to the, the depths that one can plumb when they're looking only at themselves. And, the, and tr truly the depths, you know, the depths down and down and darker and darker. And so you, you end up with this crazy, crazy system that, that has no end to it. That is being taught, not just in schools. It's being taught in corporate boardrooms. It's being taught in our institutions. It's being taught in the military, for goodness sakes. It is right to boot that from the schools. And I hope DeSantis stands strong, even as people, look, if you criticize this stuff at all, the whole reason they focus on these racial issues, the dividing line in America, and they're focusing on it from CRT to Juneteenth is because they know that if you ever speak out against them in any way, they can smear you as a racist. And it doesn't matter if it's not true. They're just going to do it. And hopefully DeSantis can stand up to that sort of thing. Usually Democrats are very good at uh, controlling the language, controlling uh, words and controlling minds, something you can read about in my upcoming book, Speechless. Uh, man, this is good. By the end of the week, it's just, I'm going to have a gong, I think, by the end of the week. Because there's only, there's only, what, five days left to pre-order the book and get a signed first edition copy of Premier Collectibles. Sometimes Democrats make the mistake of not keeping up with the new jargon. Chuck Schumer, you know, he's not, not a spring chicken exactly. He's been around a long time. Chuck Schumer was recently giving an interview. He made a terrible mistake of using language that was perfectly acceptable not that long ago, but currently is totally unacceptable. This initiative actually will house 
the homeless population that is actually living on our streets. We see them every day. Yes. We're about to yes. house them and they're against it. It's it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I, I have found that my whole career. They wanted to build a sh- uh, in when I first was assemblyman. Mm-hmm. They wanted to build a, a congregate living place for retarded children. Mm-hmm. The whole neighborhood was against it. These are harmless kids. They just needed right. some help. We yeah. got it done. Chuck Schumer had the audacity to call retarded children retarded children. You can't. You're not allowed to say that. What are you supposed to say now? I don't know. I don't know because it's a it's a euphemism. Right? They're all all sorts of euphemisms. The word retarded is itself a euphemism. It just means slow. There's nothing intrinsically offensive about that other than it's, it's describing a handicap. And so because it is undesirable to have a handicap, the, the euphemism sounds undesirable. And so people take offense at that. But what is he supposed to call it? I mean, the, the word retarded itself was a replacement for older words that were then considered more offensive. Now, what are we supposed to say? Mentally challenged, mentally handicapped. One of the, the new euphemisms is handicapable. Worth pointing out because there, there are two different kinds of euphemism. All of us use euphemisms to soften harsh language. So we refer to a woman of a certain age instead of an old hag. You know, the, the old hag is a woman of a certain age. We say of a certain age because it's a little softer, but it doesn't negate the reality we're describing. Retarded or mentally challenged or simple or whatever doesn't negate the reality that we're describing. But the politically correct style euphemisms, where you go from handicapped to handicapable, as though you have sort of extra powers, that does negate the reality that you're describing. That that is so often what happens with the way that PC works. There are more euphemisms. Chuck Schumer fell afoul of the the current popular one. Uh, But Let's move over to the, the people who give birth to all sorts of children. We used to call them mothers, used to call them moms. Now, not so much. In the, in the Biden budget, mothers have been replaced by the term birthing people. Senator Lankford recently asked Xavier Becerra, the head of HHS, uh, to help him out to figure out the, the definition of this strange new term. I also noticed you changed a term in your budget work. Uh, you shifted from in places from using the term mother to birthing people rather than mother. Can you help me get a good definition of birthing people? Well, I, I'll, I'll check on the language there, but I think if we're talking about those who give birth, I think we're talking about, uh, I, I don't know how else to explain it to you other than I, it ex- I was a little taken back when I just read it and saw it that it's that the term mother was gone in spots and it was replaced with birthing people. Would you at least admit calling a mom a birthing person could be offensive to some moms uh, that they don't want to get like a happy birthing person card in May or I mean, can you at least admit that that term itself could be offensive to some moms? Senator, I'll, I'll go back and take a look at the, the, the terminology that was used, and, and I can get back to you. But again, if we, we're trying to be precise in, in the language that's used. Mom's a pretty good word. That's, that's worked for a while, and I think that's pretty precise. We're trying to be precise in the language that's used. You're trying to be precise? Well, if you want to be precise, you, you would say mother. That's the most precise, it's the most concise way to describe it. But we can't, and we are told... That now the simplest, the simplest way to understand mothers is as birthing people. We are told that this is a more neutral way, a less offensive way to say, because the theory is that some men can give birth, because the theory is that some women can magically become men by wishing it so, because the theory is that our human person has nothing to do with our bodies, because the theory is the now popular adoption of the radical transgender theory, which is a ridiculous ancient heresy. That is not a neutral playing ground. That really matters. The, the semantic shift from mother to birthing person carries with it whole premises. It carries with it a whole culture. And what Xavier Becerra is trying to say here is, oh, you know, Senator, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'll go back to the language. I just think, come on, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Come on, it's not a big deal. Just, just we're being precise. Okay, just come on. St- I, and did you hear he, he hesitated? He said, look, I think when we're referring... 
excuse me, Mr. Becerra, do you, are you referring to mothers here? Well, look, I think it's pretty obvious when we're referring to birthing people, people who give birth, we're referring to, and then he stops himself because he, he, he can't say mother. Because if he says mother, he's admitting that, of course, that is the more precise and concise and direct way to say it. But he can't grant that because he is beholden to the radical view that men can give birth. That's what, oh, come on, who cares? Who cares? You care, buddy. You're doing a whole big dance around to avoid the plainest, simplest, most accurate word you can possibly use. Why? Because of the radical culture, anti-culture that you are bringing with you. Savior Becerra. Gosh, the one thing that could maybe make him a, a, you know, a little more likable is if the guy had a beard, but he doesn't. He doesn't even have a beard. Go check out Beard Supply. People ask me all the time, Michael, Michael, how can I be more manly? I say, look, there are different ways to do it. You can, uh, you can wear collared shirts with uh, crew neck sweaters over them. You can play the ukulele. You can smoke cigars. You can do, uh, look, obviously people want to ask me all about this. If you're not capable of that sort of stuff, the next best thing you can do, have a really cool beard. You know, it's real, who's asking? It's Matt. Matt. Matt is the one who asks me about this stuff. And he's got, he's got a nice beard. You know, okay, it's a nice second best thing to do. But when you got a beard, you're going to want the finest in beard supplies. Okay, it's not just easy. You wake up, oh, I woke up like this. This is how I look. No, Beard Supply has the top selling products, beard oils, soap, beard shears, and beard bun. It's a very complicated thing. My friend Spencer Clavin goes on and on for hours about all that is involved in keeping his beard immaculate. When you go to beardsupply.com, use code Knowleskin at WLAS on a subscription product, you'll get 50% off your first month. Not only does 50% off the first month sound great, but subscribing comes with its own perks. You get your product of choice automatically delivered every one, two, or three months. It's your choice. You never worry about running out of it again. You got to use code Knowleskin at WLAS. 50% off your first month of subscription. Sign up right now so that you too can start grooming to get that beard, the next best choice if you can't play the ukulele. Also, Ben's new book is coming out. Ben's new book, The Authoritarian Moment, is coming out uh, fairly soon. It's a great book to pre-order right after you pre-order Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now for the next five days on uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and elsewhere for pre-order. You can get uh, Ben's book also all those same places, any other major bookseller. A great thing about Ben's book, The Authoritarian Moment, is it doubles as my future campaign slogan. Knowles 2028, The Authoritarian Moment. Also, my friend Georgia Howe has a new show, Office Hours. It's available as a podcast for uh, from uh, all sorts of places that you get your podcasts. She'll be talking with James Lindsay to discuss critical race theory. She'll be talking to Abigail Schreier about transgenderism. Her show offers a wealth of information from some of America's most important voices, Subscribe and download Office Hours with Georgia Howe on Apple Podcasts or whatever your platform of choice may be. We'll be right back. The Secretary of Health and Human Services refuses to call mothers mothers. He only calls them birthing people. And speaking of this, I have to address an issue that came up. I've gotten a lot of notes about this on YouTube and Twitter and all sorts of places. The rapper Tom McDonald uh, put out a, a hit song. I mean, this thing is number one on the charts. It's getting zillions of views on YouTube. It's called Snowflakes. And, you know, I'm not the most hip hoppy guy in the whole wide world, but it's, uh, it's an ironic sort of song because it's in this generally leftist medium of hip hop, but it's very uh, right wing in, in many of its talking points, it's talking about snowflakes, you know, like the precious little snowflakes on campuses. And I had a reaction to it. We posted it on YouTube. You can go check it out. But I, I raised a question, which was the role of the woman. You know, these, these music videos tend to have a woman or other women sort of dancing around as the sex appeal. The woman in this video is played by a man, Blair White, who I like. Blair White has been on this show. He's a guy who identifies as a woman. And he's relatively right wing about it, if such a thing can be true. He he doesn't believe he doesn't say that he's a woman. He knows that he's always going to be a man, but he just says it makes him feel better to have these cosmetic surgeries and and to present himself as a as a woman in the world. And I said, you know, I'm glad that Tom's music video is one of the biggest songs on the planet right now. I'm, I'd rather people be listening to this more right wing rap than to this to most left-wing WAP or something like that by Cardi B. 
I'm glad that if people are going to watch a transvestite, they're watching Blair White, who has generally more right-wing things to say than, who knows, the drag queens who go on Nickelodeon. I'm glad about that. But, but, isn't there a risk here? Isn't there a risk that in our zeal to own the libs, we are actually adopting their premises? This was always the fear of the Caitlyn Jenner candidacy. Yeah, maybe Caitlyn, Bruce Jenner would be a better governor than Gavin Newsom. Maybe, maybe he would, maybe he would have better policies, sort of. But the cost of that would be the embrace of the radical gender ideology. Is it, and, and what I've been told by people who defend Blair's appearance in this music video or who defend the Caitlyn Jenner candidacy is, Michael, you don't get it. It totally owns the libs because the libs, you see, they think that they've got a lock on all the transgender people, but actually some of them are conservative. And so, yeah, it's going to totally own the libs to, to what? To embrace their radical vision and rewriting of, of human nature itself, that's going to own the, I think that's owning ourselves. I think that's a price that's, if we keep owning the libs like that, there aren't going to be any conservatives left. Well, no, Michael, you can be transgender and conservative. Not really. You can have this issue of gender dysphoria and be conservative. You can struggle with this issue where you're a man, but you either very much desire to be a woman or you think that you're a woman or whatever. People have a lot of quirks, right? You can, but if you are totally embracing this, I'm not quite sure you can be very conservative. And it's a threat to the broader conservative vision. There have been people, there was a, a woman who wrote into me and uh, a woman of a certain age who says she was a 62 year old mother who said, Michael, this is outrageous. I like you. We don't agree on everything, but your video about Blair White was so childish. The whole point was that a beautiful trans woman does not agree with snowflakes and their pronoun crap, but, but she does. She goes by she, and you're, you're calling her a woman. So not only is, is Blair going along with it to some degree, but even worse, the viewers are going along with it. Blair White is not trying to take the place of a woman. She's just trying to live her best life. Okay, well, even, you know, Blair is relatively quite grounded on these issues, but you're referring to her, but he is not a she. <laughs> the fear is, forget even Blair or, or Bruce Jenner for a second. It's everybody else. I know perfectly conservative people who refer to Caitlyn Jenner as she, or as Caitlyn. Even I'm, you know, even I'm doing it because it's very confusing. That's the fear. That's the problem. I know that we all want to say yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. No, we're the party of yes to everything. We're the biggest tent in the world. Well, you know, if the tent doesn't have any tent poles anywhere, if there are no limits, no demarcations, then there is no such thing as a conservative movement. Just like if a nation doesn't have borders, it's not a nation. A political movement that has no boundaries whatsoever is not a political movement. Or it's a completely impotent one like the conservatives have been for decades at this point. If we cannot at least put that tent pole down and say, human nature is human nature, that we can't totally remake human nature. If we can't even say that, we can't say anything at all. There's a lot of pressure to give in on the racial questions, on the sexual questions, on the anti-American rights, all the radical critical race theory. There's so much pressure to give in and say, you know, white people are evil. America's a white supremacist country. It's hopelessly bigoted. On the sexual issues, yes, the patriarchy, it's really evil. Heterosis normative, it's really evil. On the anti yes, the founding fathers were the worst people. Tear down the statues. There's so much pressure. You shouldn't give in. Ever, people are giving in, though. Even Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's a little kooky, I think we can all admit. Say, I don't think there's anything wrong about saying this. She has said some things that are a little out there, okay, but she's also generally stood up to the left in a way that is uh, not true of many other members of Congress. Marjorie Taylor Greene got in hot water because she compared the current public health bureaucracy and the draconian public health rules to the Holocaust, to Jews in Nazi Germany. If you have to show a vaccine card, it's similar to wearing an armband, right? Yellow star on your, on your arm. Now, I don't really like Holocaust comparisons. I just think that they're clumsy. I think people make them generally because they don't have other historical perspective. And so I just think they're very tired and I, I don't really make them myself. However, the left just spent not just four years, the left has spent 40 years 
comparing any Republican that, that in any way threatens them to Hitler, calling them all Nazis. They did it, they obviously did it to Trump, they, literally Hitler. They did it to George W. Bush, little Hitler mustaches all the time. They did it to Ronald Reagan. They did it to, they've done it to every Republican. And yet only Marjorie Taylor Greene is held accountable. They forced her to go to the Holocaust Museum and then to give a little speech about all the things she learned. One of the best lessons that my father always taught me was when you make a mistake, you should own it. And I have made a mistake and it's really bothered me for a couple of weeks now. And so I definitely want to own it. This afternoon, I visited the Holocaust Museum. The horrors of the Holocaust are something that some people don't even believe happened. And some people deny, but there is no comparison to the Holocaust. And there are words that I have said, remarks that I've made that I know are offensive. And for that, I want to apologize. She should not have given the speech. She should not have apologized for this. Not because I think you should make Holocaust comparisons. I actually think people should refrain from making Holocaust comparisons. They're just, it's not not good rhetoric. I don't think it's particularly persuasive or, or uh, pertinent. But because it's a, it's a ridiculous double standard, nobody is actually offended that Marjorie Taylor Greene made this Holocaust comparison. If they were, then any of the leftists who do this routinely, who are still doing this today, at every single level of the highest levels of the Democratic Party down to the lowest activists on the street, they all do it in the media. They all do it. None of them ever has to go visit the museum and give an apology, but Marjorie Greene does. Big mistake, big mistake. You've got to recognize that in political battles, your opponents get a say. And if you play by a completely different set of rules, a set of rules that puts you at a distinct disadvantage all the time, if you have to apologize for things that your opponents do not have to apologize for, you are not in a good spot. Now, Marjorie Greene also at the same time introduced the Fire Fauci Act in the House of Representatives. One imagines that perhaps she had to go make this apology in order to get the limelight for the Fire Fauci Act. So this sort of the the way to redeem oneself. Uh, Marjorie Greene doesn't just want the president to, to fire Fauci. She wants to make this an act of Congress. Thank you for coming, everyone. This is this is an important issue that we need to talk. The American people have endured terrible things over the past year due to the shutdowns from COVID-19. And I'm very proud to sponsor the Fire Fauci Act, and I'm grateful to my colleagues here for co-sponsoring this bill because the American people deserve answers. The Fire Fauci Act will bring Dr. Fauci's salary down to zero and also will require the Senate to confirm someone to fill his position. Love it. That's good stuff. But Michael, Marjorie Green says kooky things sometimes. Yep, sure. Yep. So does AOC. So does Ilhan Omar. So does Rashida Tlaib. So does Ayanna Presley. So does Nancy Pelosi. So does Maxine Waters. So does, uh, oh gosh, the list. If you're talking about Democrats in Congress, the list goes on and on and on and on. Are all of those Democratic members supposed to resign or be booted out of the House? No, you'll notice that all of those women have said things that are much, much worse and politically relevant than whatever musings Marjorie Greene has had. And uh, the Democrats always defend them. Always. And they use those politicians when they can be useful. So I think something like the Fire Fauci Act, love it. Let's do it. Let's get behind that. Great, great use of the legislative powers. Probably not going to get through, but it would be a great, great use of it. But you know, it's not Dr. Fauci's fault. Nothing, nothing is ever Dr. Fauci's fault. You don't need to take my word for it. Andy Slavitt, who is uh, Joe Biden's former COVID czar, says that. The the failures and the difficulties of the lockdowns, it's not because of Fauci. It's not because of the public health bureaucracy. It's not because of any of the politicians. It's just because you, you deplorable, irredeemable, Bible-thumping, bitter-clinging American just couldn't sacrifice a little bit more. Of course, we would have had a, a pandemic here in the U.S. no matter what. Um, but, but and look, we can count the, the, the mistakes, and I think it's important that we do, if for nothing else, so we don't repeat them. We obviously had a set of technical mistakes with the testing and, and the, the PPE that we know about. 
But if we're honest, we also had two other, two other types of mistakes that caused a lot of loss of life. One were just plainly political leadership mistakes. Um, there was a lot. We denied the virus for too long out of the Trump White House. We, there was too much squashing of dissent and playing on divisions. But I'd also think we all need to look at one another and ask ourselves, um, what do we need to do better next time? And in many respects, being able to sacrifice a little bit for one another um, to get through this and to save more lives is going to be is going to be essential. And that's something that I think we could all have done a little bit better on. Yeah, we all could have done a little bit. You know, you just. Yeah, I know that we told you you'd sh- you'd shut down for 15 days and slow the spread. And I know we all told you not to wear the masks. And then we all and I know that we then extended the 15 days to f- to over 15 months. And I know that we shuttered many many of your businesses and we closed your churches and you didn't see your loved ones and and many of your loved ones died alone for no reason at all for just complete BS bunk junk science. And I know that we didn't let your kids go to school for a year. And I know that you didn't get to have your weddings. And I know that you didn't get your cancer treatment because that was shut down for the far more urgent cough. But you just should have sacrificed a little. Couldn't you have sacrificed a little more? That's the problem. You know, we, we in the public health bureaucracy, we knew what to do. We had the right idea. But you, you selfish slobs, you just, just sacrifice a little bit more. Just a little bit more, he says. Okay. Okay. It's your fault. It's not their fault. It's your fault. Particularly, when when we say it's your fault, what is this? It it gets back to the question at the top of the show, the nature of sin in the current American understanding. Everything, I don't think that Slavitt is referring to the liberal people. Because the liberal people, they, by definition, did what the scientists say, because the scientists are the liberal people. So they, that, they're good. But who needed to sacrifice more? It's really conservatives. If they were to choose a demographic that is the source of all evil, it's obviously straight white men. We've, we've heard over the past week or two the, the most clear examples of this, that psychiatrist at Yale who said she has fantasies of killing white men, the, the medical article published in a, in a peer-reviewed prominent medical journal, psychiatric journal, saying that whiteness is a terrible disease that needs a permanent cure. You might say a final solution, not to make any comparisons from what the words literally mean. So that's the specifically the, the cause of all the evils. But broadly speaking, they don't even just mean straight white men. They mean any conservative who, they mean Tim Scott, they mean uh, more, certainly Marjorie Green, they mean any, Candace Owens for sure, who espouses a conservative point of view. Because in their idea, gets right back to critical race theory. Anyone who defends any sort of conservative point of view is propping up white supremacy, is propping up the patriarchy, is laboring under a false consciousness that is doing harm and injury to other people. Just they're they're injuring people. If only they had sacrificed more. Never the fault of anybody else. Why do we have, forget the pandemic for a second, why do we have crime? We have crime because of the the white supremacist patriarchy, which is why video just went viral. Uh, There's a spate of of shoplifting going on in San Francisco. There's a a video of a security guard watching a guy, not a straight white male, definitely a black guy, just with a giant bag, filling up the bag with stolen goods, hopping on a bicycle. Security guard is just filming him, tries to get the bag, but the guy just goes away and just rides right out of the store. There's not going to be any consequences. See ya. See ya. Bye-bye. 17 Walgreens stores have had to close. Uh, This is according to the New York Times. Because the scale of theft is so insane right now. Because there are no consequences. And you know, in that guy's defense, the, the shoplifter's defense, he has been told by the entire establishment that it is his right to shoplift. That he is, it's, look, it's wrong. It's objectively wrong. It's a sin to steal. You're imperiling your, your soul if you steal. But he's not told that. According to our new religion, with its new liturgical calendar of Pride Month and Juneteenth, according to our new understanding of sin, which derives from racism instead of sin itself, it's not this guy's fault. He's the victim. Society owes him whatever goods he. St- I don't think he was stealing them for personal use. By the way, he was just shoveling them into a bag because he's going to go sell them. So this is not a this is not a starving man stealing a loaf of bread. 
This guy certainly does not need to steal, but he's choosing to do it. And it's not entirely his, I mean, he needs to take responsibility, but it's not entirely his fault because the whole society is telling he has every right to. As the powers break down, as society breaks down, people need to take responsibility for themselves. A very place to see Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, doing this. Greg Abbott is pointing out the federal government is not going to build a border wall. They've stopped building the border wall. They're, they're intentionally doing nothing on the border. Joe Biden, when he ran for president, he said, surge, surge to the border. The complete opposite of the Trump policy. They're doing this, of course, because it gives Democrats an electoral advantage. So they want to flood the country with people who are more likely to, to vote for Democrats, either after an amnesty or down the line because of the, the modern notion of birthright citizenship. Greg Abbott says, you're not going to build the wall. We're going to build it ourselves. By the way, I want to tell you something uh, for you to keep in mind later on this week, because when I do make the announcement later on this week, I will also be providing uh, a, a link that you can click on and go to for everybody in the United States or in really everybody in the entire world who wants to help Texas build a border wall. There will be a place on there where they can contribute to Texas building the border wall. Oh, that's great. And all proceeds go directly to building that wall, I assume. Yeah, so they, they go to a fund in the state of Texas, not a private entity, not an individual, but they will be overseen by the state of, uh, state of Texas uh, in the governor's office. Great transparency. Everyone will know in, every penny in, every penny out. But the sole purpose for those funds will be going to build the border wall. I love it. I love it because there's nothing the federal government can do here. When there have been private efforts to build the border wall, they've ended up in accusations of fraud because it's very, very difficult to, to manage these sorts of things. But this is in the state of Texas. The federal government's going to probably come in and tell them they can't do this I would, because the, it's not that the federal government through incompetence can't seal the border. It's through a, an intentional effort. They don't want the border sealed. They want the country flooded with foreign nationals. Love this from Greg Abbott. Great, great stuff. President Trump heading down to the border. Trump, Kamala won't go. Biden won't go. Biden probably can't even leave the house at this point. He's got, he, he would miss Matlock during the middle of the day. So Donald Trump is going to go. He's going down at the invitation of, of Governor Abbott. This is a winning issue for Republicans. The squishes always, always jump off on this. They, they always think that it's a, a terrible idea. It's going to lose us voters. It won't. It's a very popular idea. It's very popular to seal up our border and restrict immigration on the right. It's even popular in parts of the Democratic Party. Federal government can't be bothered to do that because they're too busy trying to suppress election audits. We'll get into this a little bit later, later on in the week or next week. But there is this audit going on in Arizona right now to oversee the 2020 election to look at some of the irregularities, let's say. And now all of a sudden, Merrick Garland and the DOJ are really concerned about this. They say that they're going to be overseeing the audit. They're going to say that there's, they're already complaining that some of the audit has, is utilizing abnormal post-election methodologies. They weren't con concerned about the abnormal, in some cases, unconstitutional methodologies in states during the 2020 election. But now they're really concerned about the audit. I've never thought that the audit would result in very much as a political matter. I, I do think that there was obviously uh, some fraud and shenanigans in this election. There's fraud in every single election. It seems like in this one, they, they took away in the months preceding basically all of the election integrity measures. And the, the excuse was COVID, but, but I suspect there was probably more fraud than usual in the election. I don't think the audit's going to get very much. The fact that Garland is so concerned about it is the first thing that tells me, huh, that's a little weird. Now I, want, now I really want to pay attention in a way that I, I had not, not been paying all that much attention before. They're signaling a concern at the federal level here. Speaking, speaking of that election and federal accountability, Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt was the one person killed in the violence of the, the Capitol riot in January. She was killed. She was a Trump supporter. She was killed in the Capitol by uh, one, uh, uh, ostensibly a Capitol police officer. Ashley Babbitt's husband is calling for the name of that cop. Mr. Roberts, let me ask you. There have been reports online that seem credible, I don't know if they're true, that the Capitol Hill police officer who shot Ashley Babbitt, I'm not going to mention the name, was the same officer who left his loaded handgun in a public men's room on the Capitol. Do you believe that is the same officer who seems like a very reckless person who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt on January 6th? Uh, that's, that's my belief. That's my belief. So if it turns out that she was shot for reasons, again, they still haven't explained to us, by a Capitol Hill police officer who left a loaded handgun in a public men's room and kept his job somehow, 
Do you think maybe that's why they're hiding his identity? Um, I don't know, but I think uh, one of the reasons why they're hiding his identity is they don't have a good explanation for this shooting. Now the, the Congress is voting to give medals to the Capitol Police who, who kept down the riot that day. We all know, and they're, they're trying to shame Republicans who don't do it. We all know that if Ashley Babbitt had been a BLM rioter, the sorts of rioters who burned down government and private buildings for six months in 2020, if Ashley Babbitt had been killed as a BLM rioter, there would be a federal investigation into this. That cop's life would be absolutely, we would not know the name, that cop's life would be destroyed. The Capitol Police would not be getting medals. They would all be round up and shipped to Guantanamo Bay if many Democrats had their way. But but that's not what happened because Ashley Babbitt was a conservative. They're now asking for no information to be given out here and for everybody to go about their merry way. And they want Republicans to go along with this. It's a ridiculous double standard. It is not what it seems to be about, namely honoring our police officers. It's about pushing a radical narrative. Do not fall for it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Speechless. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The parents of a non-binary seven-year-old provides a horrifying look into the mind of a child indoctrinated into this kind of lifestyle. The Senate cures racism by declaring Juneteenth a national holiday. The Attorney General again speaks out against the imaginary epidemic of white supremacist violence. A climate activist group accuses itself of racism and then disbands. And Newsweek claims that there's a furious debate about that video of a guy shoplifting a bag full of merchandise from Walgreens in San Francisco. What is there to debate, though? We'll talk about that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.